today we are talking about something that has to do with gathering that which has been scattered. There have been many scatterings uh, throughout human history, both in the midst of God's people and uh, outside. When you think of the, the migrations that have taken place, when you think that you can take an airplane here today uh, out of Toronto and fly all the way down to Tokyo, and you'll get there and you'll find Brazilians living there, you'll find Mexicans living there, you'll find uh, Nigerians living there, you can travel all across the globe and find people from all different countries. And many people live scattered. Now this message we have today, coming from the book of Ezekiel, has to do with the scattering of God's people. And so before we, we start, before we start to study this text and, and see what God has for us this morning, I'd like to invite you to join me as I pray to the Lord asking for direction. And all those who are uh, uh, able to, please join me in kneeling as I pray to the Lord. We thank you once again, Lord, for the privilege that we have to be here in your house. We thank you that you are a merciful Father and welcome us into your presence. And now, Lord, it is time for us to hear from you. And I ask that we may all experience this this morning, including myself. Please use me as your instrument and as your instrument only, that everything that I'll say here this morning may be seasoned with your guidance. And may I speak the words that you have for us this morning. May I convey not my own thoughts, but that which you have for us this morning. Bless every person here, every worshiper. May we leave this place later this morning, having our hearts filled with the Holy Spirit and being a, a feeling closer to you than when we first came. I ask you these blessings, Father. May your Holy Spirit be in our midst, your angels surrounding us, protecting us. May we have peace and calm at this time that we can focus on your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask. Amen. I want to imagine this, that uh, a grandmother, a mother, a mother, rather, goes with her children to visit the grandmother. And they go there. The, uh, the grandmother lives in a, uh, a small house. But in that small house, there is one storage room. And the children are always allowed to, to venture throughout the entire house and the backyard and play and, and use any object they can find in the house except for what is in that storage room. Now, the storage room is not so large, but there is something special in that room. It's a large, a rather large chest. And inside the chest, Grandma has all kinds of precious metals and precious stones, silver and gold and uh, emeralds and pearls, diamonds, it's all in there. Now, the chest is very well locked with a key, but it's still it's probably safer to keep the children out. So the children are uh, warned not to go in there, not to play in there, not to touch anything. Now it was an afternoon and both mother and grandma are very tired and they go for a nap. And the children are playing and they get bored with what they were playing. They decide to venture into the storage room. And they see the chest there. They know they're not supposed to touch there, but they see the chest and somehow they manage to find the key. And they decide to drag it all the way down into the living room 
And they open the chest and they find it funny that there are all kinds of colored uh, pearls and gems and stones in there. And they start to, to pull them out and to play with them and to fling them uh, toward one another. And uh, after some time, they are tired of that, of playing, they go for a nap. So uh, soon after they go for their nap, mommy and mama and grandma wake up and they go into the living room to contemplate what had happened there. Now, those were precious stones and precious metals. And uh, I would think that the first thing you would think is, uh, where are they? Uh, can we, will we be able to collect? Has any of them been, you know, uh, through a throne outside of the window? And how can we recuperate them all? But the first thing that runs across mom's mind is, who did it? How did this happen? When did this happen? And those kinds of questions are questions that usually cross our minds when we face ourselves with something that, is, uh, that we didn't expect. Those are the first questions we ask. How did this happen? And when did this happen? And who did it? But if the precious stones were really precious, and if the precious metals were really precious, or if any object is really precious, if any person is really precious, we should be seeking to find the objects first. We should be looking into trying to find out where they are. So where are they? That would be a, a rather better question. Where are they and how can they be recovered? How can we get a hold of them? But those questions usually are the last ones. We are more preoccupied with how it happened and who did it and everything. Now, in the text today, we see that the Lord has answers to all those questions. Even to the questions that we should be asking last, the Lord has a concern, a concern and He answers those questions. Now, the Bible says here in verse 12, as Larry read this morning, the Bible says that as a shepherd seeks out his flock, on the day he is among his scattered sheep, so will I seek out my sheep and deliver them from all the places where they have scattered on a cloudy and dark day. So when did this happen? It all happened on a cloudy and dark day. You know, God had manifested his presence with the people when they were in the wilderness through a, a column of fire in the evening. And a cloud on day, but the day was bright and he was protecting the people with that cloud, uh, giving them some shade. And in the evening he would have that pillar of fire out there to warm them up and to give them light as well. But the day came where they were immersed into spiritual darkness. And the Lord is saying, the Lord is reminding them that, that this happened when you plunged into spiritual darkness. When you forgot about my word, when you forgot about the light that I had given you, and you immerse yourselves into uh, spiritual darkness, into idolatry, so this came to you on a cloudy and dark day. Now in more recent Christian history, there has been a very cloudy and dark period of time. It has gone into the history books as the dark ages, when spiritual deception... When uh, the light that God had given to brighten up our way had been 
had been shut in and people were prevented from having free access to the Bible. And spiritual darkness came and people were, were groping in the dark trying to find their way. But being prevented from having access to the Bible. In the name of God, many atrocities have taken place. In the name of religion, people have been executed. In the name of religion, religion has been, has been used to, to bring fear to people. To impose fear, fear of hell, fear of an everlasting burning fire, fear of being uh, punished by God. That's not the religion that God had for his people. But that's the religion in those days of spiritual darkness that was taught to people. A cloudy and dark day that brought spiritual darkness. And so it was first with the people of Israel. It was then in the dark ages. And then we are here today and we must appreciate the light. We must appreciate the light that the Lord has given us. So that we ourselves do not immerse ourselves into spiritual darkness. Now, let's go down a little further here to verse 18. This verse was not read earlier today but let's read verse 18 and God has an answer here not only to the when but how did this happen how were they scattered how did they go into captivity how were they scattered into distant places into strange lands verse 18 the Bible says is it too little for you to have eaten up the good pasture that you must tread down with your feet the residue of your pasture. And to have drunk of the clear waters. And you must follow the residue with your feet. And so what happened was the leaders, those were supposed to be the shepherds of the people. Those were supposed to be leading the people into the truth. They were eating of spiritual food and then they were stomping the food with their own feet and giving that stale food for the people to eat. Those were supposed to give, to give clear water for them to drink. They were drinking of the water and then they were stepping onto it. And that muddied water was given to the people. Water that was supposed to be the water of life was given as something that actually made them sick. The food that was supposed to be food for their life, their spiritual life. Those times of spiritual darkness, that food was given in such a way that it was stale. And people would feel sick because of that. I worked many years ago. Many years ago. 30 years ago or more. Yeah, more than 30 years ago. I worked, at, I worked for the military in Brazil. I was not... I was not of in the military but it was a civilian working in one of the office offices there of the uh, Brazilian Air Forces and uh, I had several bosses one of them was a lieutenant of the reserve and uh, lunch was served every day at 12 o'clock 12 o'clock sharp lunch I think in, in military uh, rather than saying cafeteria you say canteen right so we would go to the canteen and 12 o'clock sharp, the doors would open and the food would be there, warm and nice, served for everybody. Now this one boss I had, he would leave every day the office at 11.30. And he would start making his way all the way down to the canteen at 11.30. And he wanted to be the first there. 
And later I found out that the reason why he did that is because he would always say that he would never eat food that had been already touched by someone else. Food that had been already stirred by someone else. Now I'm not talking about touching with your own fingers, right? Even using the proper kitchen tools, he would still not eat food that someone else had already touched. I know some of you are thinking, that's what we did at the time. Well, that's just ridiculous, but that's how he was. But the imagery that God is given here in the Bible is way beyond that, is much worse than that. He's not talking about people who have maybe touched, stirred the food a little bit. He's talking about people who had eaten the food and have then stomped on what was truth and gave, given that stale food for others to eat. He's talking about water that had been stepped onto, water that became muddied and was still given for others to drink. And while the Bible says in Psalm 34, 8, taste and see that the Lord is, there was nothing but a bitter a rancid taste to the food that was served to them. Now I have this question for you this morning. Someone, sa someone is quoted saying that if you want to taste what a pear tastes like, if you want to know what a pear tastes like, you have to change it and you have to taste it yourself. You have to eat it yourself. And when you eat of the pear, it is no longer be going to be what it used to be. It will be changed, but you have the opportunity to taste it. And so my question to you today is this. What does church taste like to you? What does your church experience mean to you? What taste do you go home with when you go to church? And while we see here the experience of the people of Israel... How they were scattered because they plunged into spiritual darkness. And how many Christians were persecuted and were scattered in the time, during the time of the dark ages because of the faith to scripture. And how even today many people are still being scattered because of the faith. I ask you today, what is the taste that Jesus leaves in your mouth? What is the taste that church more specifically leaves in your mouth when you come to church when you fellowship with your brothers and sisters when you see people you know you haven't seen during the week and you come to church and you go home after worshiping here what is the taste that it leaves in your mouth many people scatter out many people are scattered and leave the church for many different reasons People leave the church for many different reasons. Some people come to church with expectations that I must say, with all due respect, they come to church with expectations that are just unrealistic. Some people come to church for the first time expecting that they will come here and they will find perfect people. They'll find people who have uh, overcome the, all the battles with sin already. They are sinless. And when they come to church and they realize that we are all sinners still, saved by grace, but still sinners, they're disappointed. Other people come with unrealistic expectations that they believe that when they come to church and they accept Christ and they start fellowshipping here, all of their problems will be done away with. And they just realize that once they decide to follow Jesus, 
it is actually worse than it used to be. Now some people come to, and they leave the church, unfortunately, but some people come to church with expectations that are a little more realistic. They have an, an idea, an expectation that, yes, there are sinners still in the church, and I'm not expecting that everything will be resolved once they follow Jesus, but they still feel disappointed for different reasons. And unfortunately, sometimes they are left with a bitter taste because of how they are treated in the church. Unfortunately, sometimes some people are pushed aside. Some people are not treated with the dignity and respect that we all deserve. And they leave the church with that sour taste in their mouth. But other times, there are people who are also too easily offended. And for people who are easily offended, the solution is the Holy Spirit. It's for them to allow the Holy Spirit to work in their hearts so that they may be less offended so easily. Now, people scatter out for different reasons. Others scatter because they decide that they don't, wanna, don't want anything to do with the faith anymore. They renounce their faith. They renounce their beliefs. They apostatize and they leave the church. They no longer believe in what they used to believe in the past. There are people who even rebel against God people who rebel against the church people who get revolted against the church and leave but I gotta tell you this whether people have left the church because they were disappointed whether they left the church because they were mistreated whether they left the church because they apostatized people will always leave the church in pain They will always leave the church in pain. There is not a single person who once having been a member of the church and later leaves the church that will leave happy and joyful. They will always leave in pain. So, the verses we have seen so far, the scripture we have had, explain how people are scattered. They scattered because they go into spiritual darkness. They scattered because many times by the way they are treated, they are left with a bitter taste. They scattered because they rebel against God. They scattered because they renounce their beliefs. These texts also say when, how, and why these things have happened. These texts also say, the Bible also says, who causes it. You know, at the end of the day, every person will either be saved or lost, will either make it into the kingdom or not, based on their own decision. It's their own personal decision. Every living human being will have an opportunity in, during their lifetime to make a decision for Christ or to reject, reject Him. But the truth is that behind it all, and the, the, as the backdrop to all of that, there is a great controversy taking place. Jesus was telling a parable to his disciples. He was saying that was the owner of the land, and he had some servants, and they had sowed good seed. And after the, the seed germinated and the plants started to, to bloom, the, the, the servants of the owner of the land came to him and said, Sir, didn't you plant all good seed? And now how come it has weeds? We, we see weeds coming up. 
And Jesus says that the owner of the land said this, an enemy has done that. While the master was sleeping, an enemy was, went out there and did it. And so Jesus was saying, and this is clear in Matthew 13, that the enemy is Satan, is the devil. And he's always working against the people of God. He's always working against the church. He's always worked, working against God's people. And so all of the destruction we see, all of the scattering we see is because in the backdrop there is this controversy between good and evil. And the enemy is always trying to pull people away from God. But the Bible also says, who is going to gather them back together? And if you paid attention to the text that was read, and you read those texts again, you will see that most verses start with, I will bring my people. I will do this. I will give them good pasture. I will bring them to a better fold. I will be their God and they will be my people. So God is the one who is going to gather His people back together. And this is important for you to remember. Because he says that I will get together, I will seek the lost, I will bring back the strayed, I will bind up the, the injured, and I will strengthen the weak. I cannot do that. I cannot do that. As much as I want in my heart to see people saved into the kingdom, I do not have the power to save them. I do not have the power to heal them. It is God who is going to do that. And He has promised that He will. He has promised that He will indeed gather His people together. And in the process of bringing them together, He will do that to heal up, to bind up the injured. He will do that to strengthen the weak. So if in your life there is something that you are still feeling, there is some pain that you are still feeling, God will heal the up. If in your life there is something that you are still struggling with, God says that He will strengthen the weak. And so what is our part then? If people are still scattered, and God is saying that He will bring them back, that God will go into every distant nation, into every place to where they have been scattered to. God is going to go there and gather them back together. So what do you and I have to do with that? Well, let's look at verse 31. Verse 31, which is the very last verse of this chapter 34 in Ezekiel. And God says, You are my flock, the flock of my pasture. You are a man, and I am your God, says the Lord God. And so I can tell you this today, that you have been called to be God's sheep. You have been called to be, even though you're just a human being, you have been called to be God's sheep and part of His people. And we must keep in mind that God has a special work for us to cooperate with Him with. That He's going to gather those who are scattered. And He's going to bring them back into the fold. And you and I are expected to be here, not to stomp on the truth and to give them stale food. We are supposed to be here not to drink of the water and to step on it and to give them muddied water to drink. We are here to give them the pure truth of the gospel. And once they come, him, come back here 
to love them to the uttermost, to embrace them. And so here is another challenge for us today in this year 2018. And this is the word of the Lord for us today, right? The word of the Lord is not just rhetoric. It's just not theory. It's just not head knowledge. That we come here on Sabbath morning and a sermon is preached and the Sabbath school lesson is studied and we gather more knowledge and we go home saying, yes, I would have missed that if I had not gone to church. But I'm glad I went and now I learned more stuff. I have head knowledge now. This, this is wrong. If this is why you are coming to church, I encourage you to keep coming, but change your mind. Because you come here so that your life, I come here so that my life will be changed and transformed into the likeness of Christ. And so this is the word of the Lord for us today. That he has promised to do a work of gathering those who are scattered. And I can tell you, I've been here three years. For three years. And I've seen many people come here to this church and then go scattered. They come for a while and then they stop coming. They come once or twice and then they don't come back again. And I'm not putting the blame on anyone. I'm just saying, like I said, I preached about this. People leave the church for many different reasons. Maybe they came here just because they were curious. And they, they found out it's not for them. They don't believe in that. They never come back. But there are people who have been even members of this church. We still live here in Belleville. We still live here in the surrounding areas. And they are no longer here with us. And the Lord is saying that He's going to do a work of gathering those who are scattered. On June the 2nd, it is the first Sabbath in the month of June. June the 2nd, we as a church, we are planning a special program that Sabbath. It will be a, a beautiful special Sabbath. It will be summer. It will be hopefully warm. And we are going to invite to be here with us and to fellowship with us. All those who at some point have either been members of this church or have attended this church for a while, but are no longer coming with us. They are scattered now. And so we are going to, we are going to cooperate with the Lord in this work of gathering those who are scattered. I want to cooperate with the Lord in that. I am preparing for June 2nd. We'll have guests here. We'll have special music. But this is not supposed to be seen as a one-time event. Okay? You should not expect to a uh, couple weeks before June the 2nd to give a phone call to someone whom you have never you haven't talked for for 10 years and you're going to give them a, a phone call a couple weeks before and say, "Oh, I'd like to invite you to church." Uh, we are actually late. We must start contacting them now. I am sure those who have been here for a while that you have friends, you have uh, acquaintances of people who have been in this church and are no longer here. And so the word of the Lord for us today is that we'll be contacting those people. We'll be uh, getting back together with them and getting in contact with them. And letting them know at the right time that we'll have this special Sabbath. A Sabbath that will be all uh, uh, planned uh, around uh, making them feel welcome here in our midst and making them feel that this is their place as much as it is our place.
Does that sound reasonable? Amen. And so I'd like to invite you to cooperate with God on that. And I'm putting myself under God's direction for that as well. And if you have any ideas, if you have any suggestions, if you have people who may be the pastor is not even aware that these people have been church, member, uh, church members in the past, or people who have attended church for a while, you're welcome to share that with us. If you have any special ideas about the program itself, share that with us. It is our church. It is our program, right? It's I don't own it by myself. So let's work together with that in mind that April, uh, June the 2nd will be this special Sabbath for those who at some point were here but now are scattered. For now, we are calling this a community guest day. We may come up with a better name later on, but for now it's being called Community Guest Day. But God is willing, is willing to gather the scattered. But I tell you this in closing, I want you to keep this in mind, keep it to your heart. Let me ask you this, do you think God is, is able to perform what He performed with the people of Israel today? Do you think God is still able to gather the scattered? He is. He indeed is. His power has not dwindled whatsoever. He is still powerful enough to gather the scattered. But God will not gather the scattered. He will not bring those people here unless you and I are prepared to welcome them. And so the Lord is calling us today for this work of preparation. The Lord is calling us today to wake up and be in contact with them and love them and prepare the way for them to come and be welcomed and be received here in our midst. This is the word of the Lord for us today. May God bless us all as we decide to cooperate and join Him in this word of gathering those who are scattered. Amen.